What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames. Man, I done had a lot of special guests on here. A lot of guys I didn't click with, but man, I got a guy I consider my big brother in the building to talk LSU football. I got my guy Shane in the building. Finally was able to get him on a podcast. You know, he's been supporting me since I started. So it's only right. We have our private phone conversations and talk sports all day long. So like I said, it's only right to have him on. So Shane, what's going on, bro? What's good with you, bro? Appreciate it for for bringing me on, man. It's a long time coming. Yeah, 100%. You know, I know you told me, you know, you would get on eventually. It's about time that you finally got on. You know, we're here to talk about your LSU Tigers. So let's just jump straight in. You know, um, this past Saturday was kind of a big Saturday as far as college football goes. A lot of teams that, you know, that we're going to be looking forward to watching this season. My team played this Saturday with their spring game. But, you know, we're here to talk about your LSU Tigers. So, you know, y'all played y'all spring game Saturday. I didn't watch much of it because y'all was on at the same time as Ohio State. But let's just get right into it. So, like, what was some of your overall, you know, your bit, your takeaways, your overall reaction after you watched, uh, you know, LSU play this Saturday in their spring game? Um, well, first, I probably feel just like you. I was just happy to see them back out there. It's been a while. Um, I was just happy to, to be watching them again. You know, I'm, I'm excited for, for the fall, upcoming season. Um, especially after the season we had last year, you know, I was definitely, I'm in tune, I'm locked in everything, every move that the LSU is making because five and five, you know, that was bad for us. So hopefully we, um, we do a lot better, um, coming up, but some of my takeaways, um, I, we, I know we got a young team, so, um, I wanted to see how they were going to, how they were going to show up, um. Quarterback battle. Uh, we got four four quarterbacks right now competing for the starting job. You know, LSU. That's really doesn't re- that doesn't really happen. Um, you know, for the longest we just couldn't get a quarterback. So we finally got um, a nice quarterback room. Um, I guess I could start there with the quarterbacks. Um, right now um, we got four four people fighting for it. Um, I think it's just Max Johnson and Miles Brennan at this point. Um, they're the two favorites to to um, to start the season. So it's in the air at this point. Um, and then the other two, uh, true freshmen. So obviously he's probably not going to win the, the job. And then TJ Finley, he just makes bad decisions, but he has a cannon, like a Jamarcus Russell type arm. So, um, quarterback, it's either Max Johnson or Miles Brennan. Um, I like Max Johnson, uh, Brad, the son of Brad Johnson, um, one of some, one of Super Bowl with the, with the Buccaneers. So, um, He's, it kind of reminds me of Joe Burrow in a way. He's like a he's got that that killer that killer instinct out there, um, even to be so young. Um, but he just knows the game. His dad is you know NFL NFL quarterback, Super Bowl winner. Um, his uncle was a coach down in Miami, so um, you know he he knows he knows football. So so that's kind of who I like. But you know Miles Brennan, he's got the experience. He was there when we won the championship in 2019. He played under Joe Burrow, so. Um, and they brought that same offense back. So he know he has a little bit more experience with it. So, um, so it was, it was just good to see them go out there, go out there and do their thing. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, Oh, my, my go, ahead. Ahead. My, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So looking at the stats, I mean, I see, you know, the, the two guys you're talking about, if, if, you know, a guy that didn't watch LSU, basically I would look at the stats and kind of see what names stick out to me. And like you said, you know, you went Max Johnson and miles Brennan, you know, Max, for 1,780 yards, two touchdowns. 
which would be very impressive in a spring game. I'm not a guy who likes to take away a lot from a spring game, but at the same time, you know, like, you got to get excited for your team. You got to see what the future holds for you. So that's kind of why I hold with Max Johnson and then Miles Brennan. Obviously, you said he's the guy with experience, 12 for 20, 116 yards, and one touchdown. The two, the two true freshmen, you know, multiple turnovers, which would be a concern for me, but at the same time, knowing that I'm four deep in my quarterback room, uh, you know, with, with speaking from experience, obviously I was able to watch Ohio State on Saturday and kind of look at some of the same things you were looking at. So what stands out, basically you guys have a quarterback battle. To me, on the outside looking in, I think it's Max Johnson or Miles Brennan. If you had to pick right now, you know, knowing that fall, you know, summertime is going to fly by, fall practice is going to come into who, who, as an LSU fan, would you be looking at, or what would your expectation be? Is QB one come week one of the NCAA football season come twenty twenty one? So, yeah, you actually brought up a good point. These stats. So, what's interesting about the stats? Um, Matt Johnson got his two touchdowns with the second team offense. Miles Brennan got his only touchdown with the first team offense. So they let Max Johnson get the opening. Um, he opened up the game, of course. Um, I don't know how Ohio State did their their spring game. So. Um, first for the first quarter, um, well, actually for the first half, Max Johnson and Miles Brennan they split reps with the first team, and then the other two split reps with the second team. And then for the third quarter, Max Johnson took second, second, um, the second team. Miles Brennan took them in the fourth quarter, and then you know the other two took the first team in the third and fourth quarter. So um, Max Johnson, um, he got he he got some field goals with the first team, but he didn't get a touchdown. Miles um, Brennan got a touchdown on like a a fake spike, you know, Hail Mary on the last play of the, of the first half. So, you know, it was a good at, it was a good ball. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was um I don't know. I like Max Johnson. Um just simply for the fact even though Miles Brennan balled out for us last year before he got hurt, um Max Johnson was two and oh. He beat Florida in the swamp. You know, that was that was critical. Um so I think when he when he started we were three and five at the time and he won the last two, but we got we got us back at five hundred. So I like him. Um but again he's fresh in my mind. He's the last quarterback I've seen play for us and he doesn't have any he doesn't have any losses. So um for me, I like Max Johnson. Um and he's left handed too, so I don't know why that kind of makes a difference, but um yeah, I like Max Johnson. Um and he's young. He's young, so we have at least two at least two more years with him. Um, just to build around them and stuff like that. So I would I would go with Max Johnson. I'd go with Max Johnson. Uh, yeah. But no discredit to Miles Brennan. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, like I think having a quarterback problem of not knowing who your quarterback is going to be, to me is a good thing because it could be, you know, you come into the season and Miles Brennan is your guy, period, point blank, no matter who else is in the quarterback room. But if you're looking as a fan and you don't trust Miles Brennan to get the job done. And to me, that's a shaky situation. So to know that you got two freshmen and then, you know, two somewhat experienced guys coming into the season and they're going to be having a quarterback battle in the fall into the fact that there's not a QB one going into the fall. I think that's a great problem to have. Obviously coming into fall is going to be key because after about week one, week two of fall practice, you're going to want to know who your QB one is. So they have, you know, first team reps. They're, that's the guy that you're going to rock with at least through week one. Obviously, you know, for the most part, top teams, you know, LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, usually they play a slouch 
or a weaker team and they're confident on week one. So you can kind of get a fair evaluation, but at the same time, you don't hold the biggest weight. But, you know, a lot of teams now, week two is big matchups. Like, you know, I know Ohio State plays Oregon in week two. So week one, all eyes are going to be on the quarterback to see if that's the, uh, the guy to get the job done. Ultimately, once we have that top five matchup, I think Oregon will come into the season top five to seven. So, you know, as Ohio State fan, that's how I look at it. But one thing I want to ask you is your guys' running back room. So, you know, looking at the stats, it's like there's only one guy who – and it's a lot di more difficult to judge running backs in spring practice where there's really no live tackling. So, at the same time, once they get touched, they're done. We can't talk about the stiff arms and, you know, breaking tackles. You don't get to see that kind of evaluation from the running back. But I think, you know, LSU has been a team who has been – you know, there's been a lot of teams who have been spoiled at certain positions. I think LSU has been spoiled at the running back position. Obviously, Ty Davis-Price is the guy who kind of stands out with his statistics based on the spring game. How confident are you in your running back room knowing that you've had Leonard Fournette, Darius Geis, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Like, you guys have had elite running backs to the point that, you know, you look at some of the top teams who produce running backs – and you look at LSU and the production that they have in the NFL, you know, they have a case for positions where they could be that position university because they bring, you know, the best at that position. DBU, you know, they're making a strong case for wide receiver U, especially, you know, two of the guys coming out in the draft this year. So how concerned are you at your running back position, if any concern, or how much do you love the running back position? Um, you know, yeah, kind of you brought up a good a good point. Um, usually we're two, three running backs deep, like solid running backs too. Um, Ty Davis Price, he was the only running back yesterday, the only healthy one. Um, yeah, he's the only healthy running back yesterday. Um, I think the running back that they had playing for the for the second team offense was a linebacker. Um, they just let him play take some running back snaps. So, um, kind of thin right now. Um, but Ty Davis Price, um, and John Emery, he's our other running back. Um, they've been there. They were there in 2019. So they're good running backs. They backed up Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, so they're good running backs, but they just neither one of them has came out as like the number one running back. So um, we let Chris Curry go to the transfer portal portal. Um, and I actually liked him. Um, I thought he was, you know, he had a strong little burst, um, but he just never could break out, you know. So I'm kind of nervous, kind of nervous right now, honestly. Um, we got some good running backs coming in. Uh, we, we, we got a five star, a four star out of Ohio um, coming up in, in June, I think. I don't know how you guys didn't get him, um, but. You know, we we took we recruited him right up under y'all's nose, um, so I'm kind of excited for him. Um, so we'll just have to see on the running back position. But honestly, um, the way the offense is, it's not going to be like typical LSU offense where it's just run, run, run. You know, they're looking to spread the ball. Um, they're looking to throw it. So running backs about to be playing receivers. So um, they're going to be need to do both. Just kind of kind of like how um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was. Yeah, and then you know, like I said, so we're talking about positions, and basically like. LSU has a strong case for a couple. When I say running back you, they have a strong case. And especially when you talk about, you know, where you really make your strongest case is how good those guys become in the NFL. And people say what they want about Leonard Fournette, but he had a really good first couple of years. Obviously, you've seen what he did with the Bucks. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire making an impact at Kansas City as a rookie running back. Guys didn't pan out. You know, he had some of his off-field issues. But at the same time, we've seen some promise in him outside of injury. And then, yeah. you know, the off-field issues, I don't think we'll ever get to see what he really, what the expectation was. There were some people, 
you know, out of like the LSU analysts and stuff, thinking that Geis was going to end up being a better NFL product, NFL running back than Leonard Fournette. And we know what the expectation I, was. I definitely him. thought that. I definitely thought that. Um, I thought he was a better running back at LSU when they both were there. I don't know why. I just liked Geis more. But, you know, Fournette, he was just like a man child. Yeah, I think and, – and I think the same thing was said about Fournette. Obviously, though, the biggest problem for those running backs in the past, as opposed to, like, the most recent with Clyde with Edwards-Hilaire, what I noticed, and like you you brought up the, the perfect point for LSU, is the fact they ran them through the mud. Like, Leonard Fournette kind of got that Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram kind of treatment where we just run them, you know, 30 times a game as opposed to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's a receiving back. Then he goes to an office like Kansas City, who kind of runs it the same way. He's a you know, receiving back, doesn't have to do all the dirty work, doesn't need to do you know the work in between the trenches, in between the lines, kind of outside back, a little more elusive. But now we go to, you know, I want to go to another position group who, when we look at the past, you got Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, DJ Chark, you know, we know we got Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall, who Jamar Chase is expected to go top five to seven in this year's draft. Terrace Marshall, his stock has risen to the point he's probably going to be a first-round wide receiver. I think a lot of that, first off, is his impact and his talent he has as an individual player, but I think it's off the, also off the reputation of what LSU wide receivers go to the league and do. His stock is going to rise because we know they have nothing but success outside of injury because some of those guys have been injury prone, but that's not, you know, the product of LSU. That's just their body type. But you look at the receiving core, John Trey Kirkland, 16 catches, 209 yards, two touchdowns. That's a huge spring game, you know. Um, and like I said, you know, me being able to watch the Ohio State game, I look at our wide receiver room. But I look at y'all's in 16 catches, 209 yards, two touchdowns. Do you have Kayshawn Boutte, 11 catches, 162 yards, one touchdown. So it looks to me that whether y'all are deep in that aspect, y'all have a one-two punch like y'all had when y'all had, you know, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. And whether they amount to them in the NFL, to me, I don't really hold NFL success on what guys do in college, but I look like they could be that type of duo. What did, you know, how excited were you to see two wide receivers on your team have such a big day in a spring game where, you know, you're accustomed to having a great wide receiver at least one every year at LSU. So for Keisha, well, for, I'm going to just say this for, and I'm going to start with Keisha Butte. So for Keisha Butte, um, this is expected for him. Um, last year he broke out with Max Johnson, actually, at the Florida game. Um, it was either the Florida or the Ole Miss game. He had like 300 yards in one of those games. So um, true, fr or now he's a true sophomore. Um, but last year as a true freshman, he just really broke out. Um, especially with Terrace Marshall opting out in the middle of the season. You know, we were just kind of like, all right, now, like, who's going to be the guy? And as a true freshman, he stepped up. So this is expected for him. Um, he had a nice catch on on another on another player that I'm going to bring up later that I'm really excited to talk about. But um, he had a big a big catch. Um, he got Miles Brandon touchdown um, on the face, on the face, Spike Hail Mary. So he's, he snagged on somebody yesterday. Um, so I'm excited for him. Um, get used to hearing his name. He's probably gonna win the Belichnikov or Belichnikov, whatever. However you, however you say that, um, he's gonna win it one year. So um, I'm excited for him. Um, John Trey Kirkland. He played on. He played both sides. So he played first team and second team. So he he never came out the game on offense. So um, that's why his stats are so crazy. Um, but um, looking coming into the spring game, we didn't know who was gonna be 
our second and third options at wide receiver. Uh, we knew Kayshawn Boutte. We knew he's wide receiver one. Like, that wasn't even a question. Um, it was just going to be who's going to merge himself as, you know, the, the second choice. Um, and I think John Trey Kirkland kind of separated himself yesterday. Um, he was there in 2019. I'm going to keep saying that because, you know, he's an experienced guy. He knows he has the, um, a winning mentality. Um, I was actually surprised that Racy McMath opted out for the draft. Um, I didn't think that um, – he really had a high stock to even to opt or to opt in for the draft or whatever. Um, so I was kind of surprised by that one. I was actually looking forward, forward to him coming back this year. Um, but Coy Moore, um, that's a name that I'm, I'm, ex- I'm expecting a lot from. Um, he was a true freshman last year. He got a little, little bit of playing time, um, but he should really, um, I think he'll, he'll find his way at some point throughout the season. Um, so we got Kayshawn Boutte, the rest of the guys, you know, we're just, we're just waiting for other people to merge. Um, I think with this offense that, you know, Coach O's trying to trying to give us, um, I think we'll find it at some point through the season. Yeah, so, you know, you name a lot of wide receivers. And like I said, you know, when you bring up top teams, Bama, LSU, Ohio State, Florida, they get real spoiled at certain position groups. And they start becoming the wide receiver you, DBU, D, D and you like it just you know we're basically breaking down positions and putting them as who's the top-notch university at, at that kind of product so yeah. we talk about the wide receivers at LSU so we go into the draft we're talking about Jamar Chase Terrace Marshall last year's draft you know we were talking about Justin Jefferson obviously Thaddeus Moss coming at tight end all those guys Jamar Chase Terrace Marshall Thaddeus Moss and Justin Jefferson were all on the team at one time how do you weigh this year's wide receivers compared to that wide receiver group that we're about to see? More than likely, the projection is for them to be real productive. Justin Jefferson, you know, he had a hell of a rookie year. Obviously, like if it wasn't for a quarterback being so loved as an offensive rookie of the year, Justin Jefferson deserved that, you know, slot outside of the fact his quarterback probably would have won it had he not got hurt. But Justin Herbert coming in and, and making the impact he made. Quarterbacks get the most love on the offensive end. But what is your expectation? Is there a big drop-off from this year's wide receivers as opposed to what you guys are used to having in the past? I wouldn't say it's a big drop-off. Um, it's just the fact that you don't know the the second and third options. You know, of course, the 2019 team, um, you had Terrace Marshall, and he was the third option, you know, so um, – and on any other team, he'd be the first option. So just, that that was just a different – we were just blessed. So, um, and typically we have two, three receivers like that. It's just right now we haven't found um, the second and third ones just to emerge. But it'll come. I'm not really – it's not something I'm too worried about. It's, it's what we do. Um, somebody will come out. I'm not really too worried about it. Um, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, so one more position group before I kind of talk about what your biggest concern was while watching the game – we talk about, you know, like I said, wide receiver, you, DBU. You know, you guys are top cream of the crop when we talk about that conversation. You bring up DBU and there's like four schools. It's LSU, Florida, Alabama, which are all three in the SEC, and then Ohio State. Seems like outside of that, guys get certain guys here or there. But those four teams are cream of the crop. Y'all have arguably the biggest argument of being DBU, I think, really – you, Bama, and Ohio State, when you look at what those guys go and do in the NFL also, I think those are the three front runners. Florida kind of makes themselves names a little bit here and there, but I think those are the four schools. So we know how spoiled y'all have been with having some of the top defensive backs in the draft. 
They go top notch. Obviously, going into the draft, there's not really a guy this year that stands out that we talk about, you know, one of the first times in a while that an LSU DB would not go in the first round or, or a, you know, a high stock riser coming into the draft. But there's about two to three guys that are sitting here on y'all roster this year that you know coming in next year in the next two years could very well all three be first round picks you know um stingley is he might be the best player going into the draft next year i think the expectation is for him to be a shutdown corner on the island as he's been you know while wearing the lsu uniform where do y'all compare this db class as opposed to the ones in the past because i think this is just as top notch as any other one, but where do y'all, where do you compare this DB class as opposed to the ones y'all have had in the past? Oh, um, I think this is probably one of the best. As far from a cornerback perspective, um, it's probably one of the best rooms that we've had in a long time. Uh, of course, we got Derek Stingley. Um, he's probably the best corner in the nation, um, and it might not even be close. Um, and then we have. Two guys last year that were true freshmen. Um, we got Eli Ricks. He made a big name for himself later on in the season. So, um, so you're going to have Derek Stingley on one side. You're going to have Eli Ricks on the other side. Um, Eli Ricks, this year, if he's not top five by the end of the year, he's going to be top ten or corners in the country. Um, he He's like that. Um, so, you know, those two guys, it's 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 this, the ball's not going, going their way. Um, and then we got this other guy. Uh, Dwight McLaughlin, um, true freshman last year. He he started last year when Sting, or I think Stingley was out for the Florida game or somebody was out for the Florida game and McLaughlin came in and he kind of caught my attention. I'm like, yo, who is this guy? He's like 6'2", 200 pounds. So he's a big corner, but he's athletic too. Um, you know, so I did some research on him and he he um, he um played for Deion Sanders down at, at Trinity. So, you know, if you coach by prime time, you're going to have some skills. So um, what's interesting is what they're going to do. Because um, he typically can be like the number one corner if he was somewhere else. So um, right now, I think we got three shutdown corners. Um, it's just a matter of where they're going to put him. Um, I don't think he's a slot corner, but you're going to have to put him on the field. Um, and then at safety, we're kind of thin. We had one of our corners uh, convert to safety, so he's still trying to um, trying to figure that out. If I'm not mistaken, I think he had an interception yesterday. Um, so we're kind of thin at safety, but you know, DBU against one of those things, kind of like the receiver room, somebody will come out. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'm not really too worried about it. Um, no need for the safeties when, when the ball is not going in there anyways, corners are going to pick it off. So it's locked down. We're DBU. <laughs> you know, I would, we, that, that's a whole nother conversation. You know, we've had our arguments on the side about, you know, who, who really deserves the title DBU. But like I said, when we talk about three or four of those schools, like, all of them have a great case. So now, you know, we talked about the upside of LSU, some of the position groups that you're excited to see. Now, you watch the spring game, and like I, you know, I, like I said before, I'm not a guy who wants to beat a dead horse after a spring game and, you know, raise red flags on certain position groups, certain players, certain play calling. But at the same time, as fans and as guys who are getting excited for next season, you're ultimately, it's just natural reaction to see something you didn't like and talk about it. So what is your biggest overreaction, or what is your biggest cause for concern? Like maybe even consider the overreaction from LSU. You watch the game. There has to be something that while you watch that game, like you hit one of those like, man, I don't know. Hopefully we get this figured out. So what at what point in the game or what was that for you with LSU? Um, well, uh... 
it's kind of tough. So especially coming off last year where, you know, everything we did last year, we did wrong. So, you know, just watching the spring game, you know, there wasn't any big plays given up, you know, and that was a common thing last year. So that was really good to see. Um, I would say I'm really kind of just concerned about the running back situation just because, you know, we only had one running back yesterday um, and the other one's hurt and he's been hurt throughout the spring. So I, I want to know how that's going to carry out into the season. Um, it's going to be good for the season. Um, and then um, the receiver situation, you know, if you're going into a, a, a just to air it out offense, you know, we need them to figure out who's going to be the second and third options. Um, so those are my biggest two worries. Um but before that, I, actually, I said before that, the offensive line. So either the defensive line is really, really good for us or our offensive line has just not really pieced it together just yet. Um, we'll just have to see when you when you actually play other teams. You know, of course, you know, we're going to iron sharpens iron. So either, again, either our D-line is just super good or our offensive line just hasn't figured it out. But we'll find out when we play UCLA. Um, but, yeah, um, another thing when it comes to the receiver situation more than likely we're going to have Eric Gilbert back. So um, that could, he could come in and, and make an immediate impact. Um, so I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of those, like you said, like I think that was one of the biggest takeaways I had from the Ohio state game was like, I looked at one position group and I looked at another, I looked at our receivers in our corners and I'm like, either our receivers are that good or our corners are that bad. It's like a mixture of both. But like yeah. you said, you know, with matching up, if you're receiving, you know, for like if y'all's defensive line is that elite, your offensive line only gonna get better. I mean, the only way to get better is to play against competition that's better than you. You know, you're gonna figure out ways to ultimately take that next step and not get burnt. And it starts in practice. So if your D line is that much better than your offensive line, I think I find that is a great thing because your offensive line gonna have to understand. And especially if you know you go into the season, you watch your D line ball out in the spring game, and then they're talking about LSU's D-line and see, you know, hey, they're one of the best defensive lines in the country, then I think that's a good thing that your offensive line is ultimately facing your D-line every day in practice, and they're facing arguably the best group at D-line that they're going to face all season. So I look at y'all's schedule, you know, uh, kind of talk. We talked about the spring game, so I kind of want to talk back into next year. Obviously, we know y'all in the SEC, you know, the gauntlet that y'all have to play in. Come preseason, there's going to be a five to six teams ranked in the top 25 at the very beginning of the season. We know that much. And y'all start y'all season off with UCLA. Like I said, you know, typically teams get to play, you know, slouch teams. And yes, UCLA isn't the strongest game you can have week one. But it's a it's a team out of the Power, power Five Conference. How much weight are you going to hold in in the UCLA game week one do you think the way y'all play that game, win, lose, or draw is going to determine the rest of y'all season? I don't think it's going to determine the rest of the season, but it's going to give us something exciting to look forward to. Um, just kind of how like the the Texas game was for us in 2019. You know, um, they're not a sorry team, but they are pretty. They're pretty. They're pretty good. You know, like you said, it's a power five school. So um, I'm. I don't like opening up to it, you know, just just the first game, you know, everything is new, new coaching staff, new offense, new defense. So everything is brand new. Um, but that game is going to, we're just going to see a lot that game. Um, so I think we'll be able to, we'll be able to win. Um, it's UCLA, we're LSU. I mean, you, we should win that game. So, um, but yes, that, that game is going to hold a lot of water for what we expect, um, especially since we won't be playing anybody good for a few weeks. 
yeah, I mean, like I said, y'all open up, open up with UCLA. The next two games are against McNeese and Central Michigan. So, you know, win or lose that first game, I, I think those next two games are locked. Obviously, blowouts, get the momentum going before y'all get into, you know, conference play. Obviously, SEC, I think the biggest knock on SEC fans is they all beat each other up. So, like, they feel like some teams feel like they don't get enough love because they have to go through the gauntlet of the SEC. Obviously, like me being a guy who's a fan of a team in another conference is like, hey, you play your conference. You can't help who you play. You can't help where you're located within the country. So you have, to me personally, I think Florida and Alabama are your biggest rivals coming into this season. Obviously, you know, I know y'all play Texas A&M, the newest rival y'all have had since they've arrived in the SEC. But when it really comes down to it, everybody looks looks forward to when LSU plays Florida. And obviously, LSU and Bama is almost a rivalry. Like, it's just as important as Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, Michigan. Like, when we talk about those, you know, best rivalries in college football, LSU and Bama, you know, what is it typically after Thanksgiving weekend gives yeah. us a show. So how do you think y'all compare to those two teams? Because it's the same teams every year in a sense. It's LSU, Florida, Bama, and Georgia. It's kind of the teams you talk about running the SEC. So how do y'all fare against Bama, who's on the same side as y'all, and then Florida and Georgia, who if y'all win, you know, y'all side of the SEC – you can ultimately see in the SEC championship. So how do you like y'all up against those guys, especially when you have two of them in the regular season? Well, I'm going to have high expectations just because I know the team. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, actually seeing everything play out, um, especially what Coach O is trying to build. Um, the scheme that he's trying to do, we have the talent for it. It's just a matter of, you know, them executing. Um, so when it comes to, you know, the top tier teams, you know, of course, Bama, Bama's just, you know, they're in a class of their own. Um, we got to really come with it. So I can't make any, you know, expectations on how we fare against them just yet. I have to, I have to see a few games play out. Um, and then Florida, um, it's kind of the same thing. I don't really know expect to expect from us this year. Um, but I think we should be, I think we should be pretty solid in the SEC this year. I think our biggest. Um, our biggest concern right now would just be Bama. Um, you know, Florida could be in the air, and then you got Auburn is on our schedule. I'm not really, I'm not really too worried about that. We always find a way to beat Auburn. Um, but what I am, what I can say is, we got the Auburn game at home, and we got the Florida game at home. So that's going to be big, especially because they're going to start allowing fans into the stadium. Uh, we have fans at our spring game. Um, I don't know if if y'all started having fans at y'all games yet, but we had some fans in Tiger stadium this weekend. So that was good to see. So that's definitely going to play a big factor. And then we got Bama in, in Alabama this year. So, um, so yeah, I like our chances, but you know, of course, Bama's Bama. So we got to really come with it. Yeah. I look at, you know, y'all schedule. And then I look at the, the ingredient that would, if I was to look forward to LSU as an LSU fan, I think what I got to look at as a plus is we're not the only team with a quarterback with little to no, no experience. Alabama's replacing their starting quarterback. Florida's replacing their starting quarterback. And Georgia is also kind of basically replacing their starter quarterback. So the four, you know, the top four teams in the SEC all have quarterback issues. I don't necessarily say it's an issue when you have guys who you're looking at and you trust any one of those guys. But the fact is going into week one, going into fall camp, we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. I mean, I think the projection for Bama, you know, is Bryce Young, obviously, five-star recruit. I think that's the expectation, the projection. 
But with him not having true championship experience, Mac Jones kind of running the show, obviously, all the last year. Going to be, you know, a top 10 pick, what it looks like coming out of Alabama. So I guess, you know, the last thing I want to touch on is your your true expectations. So you kind of you're a fan of a school that's basically boom or bust. Like when you talk LSU, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, it's basically like college football playoffs or for what? So, you know, if you don't get to the playoffs, we're the teams who, if we don't make it to playoffs, we have a lot of players sick because outside of competing for a national championship, that's what those guys, you know, our guys go to these schools for. So how realistic is it to say that, you know, we should expect to see LSU in a college football playoff this year? Well, um, I wouldn't, that's not something I would say, but also it's not something I would doubt either just because, you know, we have the talent. Again, it's just a matter of execution. Um, you don't really know what you're looking at with LSU this year. Um, but it was also the same way in 2019. You know, you just didn't really know what to expect. So we can explode at any point in the season where, you know, we just find a stride and we just can't be stopped. Um, looking at the schedule, um, I could see us going 11-1 and one, um, with that loss being to Bama. Um, I can also see us going nine and three or 10 and two with the Florida and Auburn games. Um, but I think we're playing with a chip on our shoulder. We got a lot of young dudes who are hungry. So I wouldn't be surprised if we can make a push for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about it all the time. My biggest thing, I want to see y'all make it there. I want to see LSU versus Ohio state. We only got the game from, what, 2008 to live on that you get to, you know, talk about. But ever since we became cool, I want us to be able to play y'all in a showdown and really see, you know, cream of the crop. I need I need to run it back because you get to live off that 08, you know, when y'all basically killed oh, us in God. the national championship. You know, y'all basically ran us in the national championship or ran us out of the national championship, however you want to look at it. So, you know, I, I want to see y'all there. I think I think what my biggest thing when I look at LSU is I think conferences have to shake up the east, west, north, south, however you break up your conference into two. Because if if y'all go 11 and one, your only loss is to Alabama. Bama's undefeated, but Florida has two losses, but gets to play Bama in the national or in the SEC championship. I just don't find it fair, but I look at that. Because if y'all's only losses to Bama, I think y'all should get another shot at winning the SEC championship. But you look at it, we've seen it multiple times where LSU had or Bama had the better record as opposed to who was on the other side, the SEC West, and got to play or East, whatever side it is that Florida and Georgia are on. Those two teams had a better record, but because they played each other, it basically y'all's whole season for the most part comes down to that LSU Bama game. If both of y'all are undefeated, once, if LSU beats Bama, it's almost like Bama's season could be over as far as competing for a national championship. They need a lot of other things to fall in their place. Yes, y'all do get the benefit of the doubt, you know, that y'all in the SEC. So y'all been the one conference to get two teams. But then you look at if, you know, if LSU and Bama or LSU plays Florida, they're undefeated. Florida has one loss. And then they beat LSU. There go your two SEC teams that are going to play in the final four. So this is some of the things I think they need to fix. And it, it seems to be the biggest problem in the SEC because you have two juggernauts on one side and two on the other. And sometimes one of those on one side kind of get the short end of the stick 
with having to yeah. play each other or whatever. So I do think that's something to be fixed, but or something to look at that the SEC needs to fix. But you know, bro, I appreciate you for coming on. You know, man, finally got you on the show, able to talk some LSU football. I say this is about damn time you to finally came on here. You've been supporting since day one, and I appreciate your support. But I'm going to give you, like, the closeout, bro, if if there's any, you know, social media you want people to follow you on or just kind of give any shout-outs to anybody, bro. You know, the floor is yours. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. I don't really have too much to say, man. I just want to, you know, thanks for having me on. Um, I told you I'd do it for talk about LSU. So, so here I am. Um, anytime you want me to get back on here, you know, just, just let me know. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You know, keep grinding. I see you doing your thing. You came a long way. Um, I know you're just about like a, a year into it now, a little over a year into it, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just keep progressing, big dog. Yeah, 100%, bro. And like I said, I appreciate you for coming on. You know, before we close out, everybody go on manscaped.com. You know, it ends, you know, it ends April 22nd. Go on manscaped.com. Up in flames as the promo code to get 20% off plus free shipping. I appreciate all the support I've been getting for everybody. And on that note, up in flames.